Good morning, and welcome to Simply Space. It's Monday, February 12th. On today's show, our galaxy's black hole spins so fast it warps space-time into a football, and Japan's space program seeks a reboot with Wednesday's launch. Plus, NASA installs a new hybrid antenna to track deep space communication from the Psyche spacecraft. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Space. We start off with a fascinating discovery made by astronomers about the supermassive black hole at the center of our galaxy. It appears to be spinning so fast that it's warping the very fabric of space-time into a football shape. Here to explain more about this is Abby, a correspondent for Simply Space. Can you tell us more about this phenomenon? Certainly, David. According to Einstein's general theory of relativity, mass bends space-time, a four-dimensional fabric that pervades the universe. This effect is what we experience as gravity. While this happens with any amount of mass, it's barely noticeable until you're dealing with extremely massive objects like black holes or entire galaxies. So, what's happening with the black hole at the center of our galaxy? This black hole, known as Sagittarius A-star, has the mass of about 4 million suns. It's spinning so fast that it's warping space-time around it into the shape of a football. Astronomers used X-ray data from Chandra and radio data from the Very Large Array to calculate its spin based on how material is flowing around it. They found that the black hole has an angular velocity of about 60% the speed of light and an angular momentum of about 90% the speed of light. What are the implications of this fast spin? The fast spin of Sagittarius Aster throws off a huge amount of energy, which can drive outflows of matter around the black hole. Gigantic X-ray chimneys above and below the plane of our galaxy are evidence that Sagittarius Aster was much more active in the past, and it could get rowdy again in the future. When can we expect this to happen? Anand Lu, co-author of the study, said that while the black hole is quiet right now, it could give an incredibly powerful kick to surrounding matter in the future. This might happen in a thousand or a million years, or it could happen in our lifetimes. That's certainly something to keep an eye on. Thanks, Abby. Speaking of space developments, Japan's space program is set for a reboot with a second test flight for its H-3 booster scheduled for Wednesday. The H-3, which has been a decade in the making, is hoped to be a more cost-effective solution for launching payloads, despite its capabilities not vastly exceeding the successful HI-2A. Here to discuss this further is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Space. Can you tell us more about the H-3 and its significance for Japan's space program? Certainly, David. The H-3 is a crucial part of Japan's space exploration agency, JAXA's, plans to launch more of its own payloads and win business. It's also expected to aid JAXA's contributions to the International Space Station. However, the H-3's debut launch in March 2023 did not go as planned. A minor short circuit in equipment used to ignite the second stage led to the rocket's failure and subsequent self-destruction. That must have been a significant setback. What measures have been taken to avoid a repeat of such an incident? Following an investigation into the failed launch, it was determined that the short circuit could be avoided with extra insulation and closer inspection of the rocket during assembly. 
These measures have presumably been implemented and thoroughly checked in preparation for Wednesday's second test. And what can we expect from this second test flight? The H-3 will carry three payloads for this test flight. One is the Vehicle Evaluation Payload 4, which weighs about as much as the kind of payloads future H-3 launches are expected to carry. It's equipped with acoustic and temperature sensors, as well as accelerometers, to help JAXA understand the launcher's performance. Also aboard are an Earth imaging satellite named CESAT-1E, built by Canon, and an Earth observation CubeSat called TIRSAT. It seems like there's a lot riding on this launch for JAXA. Indeed, David. JAXA has had a string of bad luck recently, with its moon lander landing upside down and a failed launch of the Epsilon light lifter. A successful H3 launch would be a much-needed boost for the agency. It's not just Japan that's busy in space this week, is it? That's correct. India's space agency, ISRO, also has a planned launch this week. They're aiming to launch the INSAT-3DS meteorological satellite atop a geosynchronous satellite launch vehicle on Saturday. Thanks for those insights, Celeste. Speaking of space exploration, let's turn our attention to NASA's Psyche spacecraft. Currently journeying through deep space, it has successfully communicated with an experimental antenna using both radio frequency and near-infrared laser signals. This achievement demonstrates the potential for NASA's deep space network's giant dish antennas, which traditionally communicate with spacecraft via radio waves, to be retrofitted for optical, havoc or laser communications. Here to delve deeper into this development is Michael, a correspondent for Simply Space. Can you explain the significance of this achievement? Certainly, David. The antenna in question, known as Deep Space Station 13, is a 34-meter radio frequency optical hybrid antenna. It has been tracking the downlink laser from NASA's Deep Space Optical Communications DSOC technology demonstration since November 2023. The DSOX flight laser transceiver is aboard the Psyche spacecraft, which launched in October 2023. This successful tracking marks the first time synchronous radio and optical frequency deep space communications have been demonstrated. And what does this mean for the speed of data transmission? The hybrid antenna has already shown impressive results. In late 2023, it downlinked data from 32 million kilometers away at a rate of 15.63 megabits per second. That's about 40 times faster than radio frequency communications at that distance. On January 1st, 2024, the antenna even downlinked a team photograph that had been uploaded to DSOC before Psyche's launch. How does the antenna detect the laser's photons? The hybrid antenna has seven ultra-precise segmented mirrors attached to its curved surface. These mirrors, which resemble those of NASA's James Webb Space Telescope, mimic the light-collecting aperture of a one-meter aperture telescope. As the laser photons arrive at the antenna, each mirror reflects the photons and precisely redirects them into a high-exposure camera attached to the antenna's subreflector. What are the future plans for this technology? The hope is that the antenna will be sensitive enough to detect the laser signal sent from Mars at its farthest point from the Earth. The seven-segment reflector on the antenna is a proof of concept for a scaled-up and more powerful version with 64 segments, equivalent to an 8-meter aperture telescope. DSOC is paving the way for higher data rate communications capable of transmitting complex scientific information, video, and high-definition imagery in support of humanity's next giant leap. 
sending humans to Mars. That's certainly a development to watch. Thanks for that report, Michael. In other space news, Axiom Space's third private astronaut crew has safely returned to Earth after a two-week stay aboard the International Space Station. The crew, consisting of Walter Villaday, Alper Gezerovka, Marcus Wandt, and professional astronaut Michael Lopez Alegria, had to delay their return due to poor weather conditions at the splashdown site off the coast of Daytona, Florida. Bella, a correspondent for Simply Space, is here to discuss this further. Bella, can you tell us more about this mission and the crew's experience in space? Certainly, David. The crew spent their time aboard the ISS conducting various tasks and experiments. Marcus Wandt, for instance, shared a video on social media titled Space Waltz, where he can be seen practicing maneuvers to glide more easily through the station in the microgravity conditions. He noted that while training prepared him for most tasks, the feeling of microgravity and understanding how to move his body in that environment was something he had to practice while on board. Interesting. And how does this mission differ from previous ones conducted by Axiom Space? Well, unlike Axiom Space's first two private orbital missions, which were bought by wealthy individuals, the seats for this mission were purchased by national agencies. This is a significant shift in the way these missions are being funded and organized. Could you elaborate on the significance of this shift? Certainly. While there have been several privately funded missions to the ISS over the years, most of them were organized by Russia's space agency, Roscosmos, and used Russian Soyuz spacecraft. Axiom Space's missions, however, use SpaceX's Falcon 9 rockets and Crew Dragon spacecraft, launching from U.S. territory. This shift towards private sector involvement in space travel is part of NASA's efforts to reduce costs and expand the range of commercial activities that can be performed on the ISS. What's next for Axiom Space? Axiom Space flew its first private mission to the ISS in April 2022, and it plans to continue these missions. The next one is scheduled for no earlier than October this year. These missions are part of a broader trend towards commercialization of space travel, and it will be interesting to see how this evolves in the coming years. Indeed, it's an exciting time for space exploration. Thanks for the insights, Bella. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Space. We'll see you back here tomorrow.